screen. All right, so Zion slash Jerusalem is a fun category. I thought this last chapter, chapter four, was was awesome and packed with lots of good information. But uh, we've got some very good topics here in uh, chapter five that are are fun. I don't know how far we'll we'll get in the chapter, uh, but um, there's there's lots of um, information I want to somewhat uh, pop into. Um, but any uh, topics before uh, I start? And <laughs> I usually get on my soapbox and take over the whole class time, but any uh, insights or, or things that, that you want to make sure to, to cover and, and talk about? Yeah, Janet. Well, um, I thought it was so interesting. Each time a person ascends a level, he receives a new name. Yeah. Reflecting a new spiritual phase. And so let's talk about new names for a minute. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, me and my mom had a, a great discussion about this last night too. So what, um, what level of the ladder would you consider your earthly given name given to you by your earthly parents? What level of the ladder would you um, associate that with? Or, you know, conversely, like your new name, what uh, level of the ladder would you associate that one with as well? Because the, the point of my, my saying it, this is how I posed the question to my mom. I was like, okay, so do we know our names on each of the levels, whether or not we've necessarily ascended to those levels yet or not? Because I believe we, we do know those names. But um, it, it may be a stretch that's only my my personal opinion, I don't know. But when we put those two into the context of Jacob's ladder or uh, Isaiah's ladder here, I think we can kind of get some clues as to, to what that might look like. But yeah, any thoughts on, like our names are, are given to us by our earthly parents and we learn from um, the previous chapter that most are, are born on the Jacob slash Israel category, right? So I think that that's one that we can kind of tie directly across. So I don't know if any of you have the, the bookmark from the Isaiah Institute, but I always have this just right by my computer so I can use it as a, a good handy uh, resource. But if we're associating like my given name, Cameron, to the, the Jacob slash Israel category on the ladder and the we know that Zion slash Jerusalem level is when we receive our endowments. Um, that would be our, our new name level. And so if that's a pattern, uh, Babylon and perdition don't necessarily receive new names, but we assume uh, different responsibilities as we lower ourselves on the ladder to those categories. But uh, the new names are Jacob and Israel and higher. I think if we think about our temple endowment, given name, new name, next two names, it's a possibility. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think the next two names, Cameron, are titles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And I think if we think through our endowment ceremony, because what, what's the next one after Zion slash Jerusalem? It's son slash servant. And if that ties in at all to our endowment. And the next one, the seraphim level, is all about translated beings. And that certainly ties in to um, the fourth. I know it, we're <laughs> skirting on, <laughs> uh, on those, but it, just interesting to, to think about those new names. And uh, just like Avraham says here in the, in the chapter, that each level gets a new name, and names are indicative of our new responsibility, of what we have a new purpose, a new um, calling each time that we ascend the ladder kind of a thing. So I think that that's very interesting, very powerful to, to think about, really. It helps me uh, really envision the endowment and what it's preparing us for. We, the whole endowment ceremony is taking us through 
the ladders to heaven and ultimately into God's presence. And giving us a, a bigger pattern of what each stage of the ladder looks like. We have our five covenants that we enter into into the temple that are lined out in many general conference discourses, but um, uh, those, because um, in the previous chapter, it talked about how there's a law associated with each level of the ladder, right? And so um, we can determine what level of the ladder we're on based upon the law that we're willing to live fully. And so um, looking at the, the covenants that we enter into into the temple and um, which ones we're, we're keeping to the fullest extent uh, can give us an insight into what level of the ladder we're, we're on. I think <laughs> that, that's my own opinion and interpretation of it. I could be wrong and I'd fully admit it if I got called out on it. So I think it's cool that Avram talks about being proxy saviors for people. So our, our next level is that we will be saviors, even if it's proxy savers. Someday will we have to be like Jesus and perform an atonement or? Uh -huh, yeah, so I think that, again, this is my own interpretation based on that, that future chapter here in Isaiah Decoded and um, different learnings and stuff that we are proxy saviors every time that we take names through the temple and, and perform saving ordinances for people, um, that we are saviors on Mount Zion um, that's a, a title that, that's used for us. Uh, a lot of times we just don't say we are proxy saviors on Mount Zion, but um, we just shorten that title to saviors. And so I, I think that anytime that we're acting in that function in the temple, that, that we're very much on that son slash servant level. And, and the trick, not the trick, that's the wrong word. <laughs> um, the, the key to it is maintaining that son slash servant level as we come back out of the temple into to Babylon, the world. And um, there's lots of tie-ins with the, the Davidic covenant, I think. As we progress, we'll, we'll start seeing that in a fuller measure, what that Davidic covenant looks like and how we enter into it personally in order to take people's sins and iniquities upon ourselves, which is then again, cleansed every time that we go into the temple in our initiatory. That's my own personal opinion as well. I'm probably going to be saying that a lot. <laughs> so you think if we take someone's sins and iniquities upon ourselves, that does that nullify the Savior's taking that upon himself or? No, I mean, because I, I, I'm, I'm not as versed as, as like Avraham or, or anybody here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> this is me speaking from, from what I've put together in my own head. But, you know, it, it, I, again, I could be wrong on lots of different things, but the Savior is the only one that, that suffered in that specific way for the actual sins. And we know that we are going to have to suffer for our own sins in the same way that the Savior did if we don't repent of them. I don't think that we necessarily take upon that exact type of suffering when we are proxy saviors kind of a thing. I think that we are taking upon ourselves the, the sins and iniquities of our forefathers, but just like Abraham, Father Abraham did that a lot with idolatry and the sins of his fathers, but overcoming that generational iniquity. And in that sense, he becomes a proxy savior, but we know that he didn't perform an exact atonement, you know, bleeding from every pore kind of a thing that's specific to the Jehovah level of savior. Um, the son slash servant level of the ladder is performing uh, just cleansing of, of generational iniquities that um, get passed on and, and need cleared and cleansed from, from the family tree so that we can uh, bring up children in righteousness without those extra burdens kind of a thing, my opinion. <laughs> Does that go along with, um, you think God doesn't push us up the ladder 
but he arranges things so that our optimum course is to ascend. He arranges, <laughs> make, as we keep the covenant, we are, is it, is it easier for us to ascend because God arranges more blessings for us? Mm -hmm. Is that yeah, I think so. I, I think that that's a, a huge key part of it that, you know, because uh, my yoke is easy, my burden is light principle uh, going along with that. Like, I mean, if you want to to spend extra years and, and suffering in Babylon, you're more than welcome to by your agency. But, you know, uh, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We still have to go through descent before ascent. But in the end, that's the easier path um, to, uh, I don't even know how to quite explain it. It makes sense in my head, but putting it into words is hard. That's why no, I'm grateful for Avraham for <laughs> so eloquently putting that, uh, those principles in, into place. But um, yeah, I, it's definitely easier to, to follow the path than, than it is not. And so he arranges and puts people on earth in their optimum place so that they can ascend the ladder. Um, they might have to go through many different difficulties and, and sets of challenges, but we know that we can all ascend. Um, that's, that's the whole plan of it. And if we fail at it, there are going to be proxy saviors for us in order to help redeem those aspects that we didn't overcome for ourselves. That's how I understand it. <laughs> but yeah, I I love that that idea of uh, new new names on each level, and with those uh, a new purpose. Um, that they very much are titles that um, help us to to grow into our full stature. Uh, I remember a, a quick story from I don't even know my sick president when he was on his mission heard it from somebody else anyway it's a <laughs> convoluted story but anyway they went on a mesoamerican tour and um one of their tour guides was named uh lemuel and one of the grandkids was like did you know that that's a bad guy's name and and the tour guide's like Yes, but here's the deal. My mother said that she named me Lemuel so that I could turn that name into good, that um, I, I don't have to be a bad guy, that I can start making Lemuel a good name instead of just a bad name. And I thought that that was such an interesting principle because I, I in my mission in, in, in Mexico, there are lots of uh, Book of Mormon names, Layman, Lemuel. I mean, they didn't, they don't discriminate from good or bad guys. They just name people from, from the Book of Mormon stories. And so that, that's an interesting principle of we choose to, to make our, put honor to our name. Uh, we don't have to necessarily live up to the, the mistakes of, of any of the bad guys, but yet sometimes uh, a good name can be a great blessing that we live up to. You know, uh, some uh, parents name their, their kids biblical names and, and say, you know, live up to, to them, be a Nephi, be a, a Benjamin or, or whatever, and uh, assimilate their, their good qualities into your nature kind of thing. I, I don't know. Uh, there, there's arguments for and against that, but um, uh, there's a, a huge importance in naming kids with purpose and um, two or three different talks from President Nelson talking about that. Uh, a name is, is highly significant. And um, as we ascend the ladder, we, we start noticing how those titles really do help us fulfill our missions. And even Christ himself, you know, there, there's power in his name, his station on the ladder. Just by using his name, we can cast out darkness. We can... Um, dispel some of those those awful influences from our lives just by a simple name which is intriguing uh here in in this chapter it talks about um the cosmic parallels to the the ladder how um there's the stars and then the moon which reflects light but then the the sun slash servant level which 
represents the actual sun, which is a light in and of itself. It produces its own light um, and kind of that, that principle that um, uh, we start out small, kind of lighting our own little candles, a little flicker, and then we start reflecting light and growing into our own light source as we um, ascend the ladder in order to help others. We, we get more light as we're willing to share it. Cameron? Yeah. <clears throat> On page 166, I found this interesting. It says, uh, right there in the middle of the page, it says, the fall was, in fact, a premeditated part of God's plan. I'd heard that before, but it says there had to be a temporary descent to a lower level so that a permanent ascent could usher in the millennial age of peace. So it's like, so is this some kind of law or principle thing that's going on here that there has to be a descent before there's a ascent? Uh -huh, that's a very good question. Is that an eternal I mean, principle? That's or is that just our plan here on this earth or is do all of the generations deal with that? I don't know. I think um, it's like they said we have to know the bad. Oh, we have to taste the bad so that we can know the good. Yeah, I agree. So we have to descend in order to ascend. Yeah. And, you know, in the pre-mortal councils, when all of this is getting presented, you can see how how some, because I mean, we see it here on, on this earth when we're presented with this um, idea of descent before ascent. Well, that's hard. Can we not just ascend? You know, like, can we not just make it easy and make it to heaven, bring everybody to heaven? I, you know, I, for some of our, our brothers and sisters in the pre-mortal to, to choose the easier path would, would kind of make sense if you didn't have the full perspective of everything. I, I, I can see how some of them would have fallen for that. I have, I'm sorry, I have another comment. <laughs> I love it. I loved it when he said a whole series of births and rebirths into higher states of being that involve a kind of death or detachment of the former self. So we have to see, does that? Mm -hmm. I can, we talked about missions before, right, Cameron, when you came home from your mission, mm -hmm. the descent that you have before you are, do you think that spiritually you're more connected now than you were on your mission? Uh-huh, yeah, for sure. As I've tried to take this principle and chart it out, because I'm kind of a visual learner, I like to make charts and, and things like that, I've been working on this chart this last week of really mapping out the different areas of my life and um, charting my happiness level throughout the years, what, what years I was happiest, what years I was more financially stable, what years I was um, going through the, the, the difficulty of the trials, etc. I've been mapping that all out on the levels of the ladder kind of thing. And it's been very insightful that, you know, I, I start off with a real easy life. And it, I mean, it, it fluctuates and stuff. And then, you know, as soon as baptism hits, some there's, there's a, a few more bumps and stuff and then the mission and boom. And, and then with my recent divorce and there's like, boom, I mean, major trials in order to, to ascend to, to even greater heights. Like this is, is huge into what Isaiah is talking about here that we have some, the pattern is always the pattern. We're, we're always going to descend before we ascend. It's, it's just how it goes. Yeah, I, I see that, especially with the mission, you know, because all missionaries want to come off their mission with the same spiritual high that they've always been on, but it's always really hard to, to keep that momentum going, but that's not the pattern. The pattern is to, to help us descend and then skyrocket us up kind of a thing. So do you think if you had this knowledge when you came home from your mission that the descent wouldn't have been so difficult? Oh, I think so for sure. Yeah. If, <laughs> if somebody would have told me, well, I mean, you, you hear all of those um, kind of post-mission things like keep up your goals, make sure you keep a weekly planner and, and, and stuff. 
but you know, I, I heard that some missionaries fall and you just don't want to be one of those kind of thing. But if it was like a, okay, God's plan is that when you come home from your mission, you're going to get tested in lots of different ways. And the test is just to maintain your faith. If you can support your trials, you can be reborn on a higher level. I would have taken it a lot differently, I think. But I think that that's kind of part of the, the whole test on, on that specific level of the ladder on the Zion Jerusalem level is to really work by faith and kind of have to push through that, that uh, first descent. Because once you reascend to the Zion slash Jerusalem level, I think that that's when uh, God really starts giving you more insight, more hints like, okay, now that you've been through that, you've proven your loyalty. Now we're going to test you on higher ways, but know that everything you went through, if you look at it in hindsight, it was all for a purpose, right? Okay, now let's dive into some harder stuff and really get going. But I, many missionaries that I see come home and descend it takes years. I, I'm talking from personal experience. I mean, like it took me a long time to really pick up my life again uh, from that, that descent phase. But so once look you at page 39, what was that? Look at page 39, the diagram um, 57. <laughs> so this, this is the last descent looks very dramatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yep. Actually, I'm sure this is not the last descent, but this example of this last descent, this looks like really brutal. Um, and, and I guess I can say that I have always held on to my faith, but I've gone through some really difficult descents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's daunting to say the least, but one of the things that's so comforting about this and reading uh, these past two chapters is that it's not God's punishment. Um, uh, it talks about Job here in this chapter, you know, like all of Job's friends were saying, well, you must be doing something wrong for these covenant curses to be heaped upon you like they are. But we know from, from Job's experience, this was all God's plan and it was just a decent phase. But I mean, it was a literal loss of every single thing that he loved, that he cared about. I mean, it was it was a deep descent below all things. And so, you know, that is an example for us to understand what the savior went through too, though, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he did, he's Isaac the only one that, that said that he's descended literally below all things. He's the only one because he's on that Jehovah level. Um, we will eventually get there, but uh, you know, that that's a huge thing to, to descend that low and, uh, the things that we learn from the scriptures about his his life and his trials and what that descent is, I don't even think we have the, the tiniest part of the the depths that that he really went through for us, and that's huge to be that level of a proxy savior and take our sins upon him in that descent. Yikes! I mean, <laughs> that that's so daunting. Yet, um, what gratitude! and and hope and peace fills my life because of that that descent i you know as it goes through that it's like oh yeah i'm willing to descend on on my own little level in order to 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 make up for those things uh not make up for it that's the wrong word but to to show my gratitude to my savior if you can descend below all things for me uh kind of on page 139 that last decent thing if he can do that i can do the the first little one and then once i get through that i can do the second little one and and i can keep working up and everything because he doesn't require that we move faster than than we have the ability to do so but in my own gratitude i can start doing that same thing i can see what he did and pattern my life after his and start moving up that ladder i, I think that that's a a huge faith promoting principle that these things aren't just punishments from God. These are trust in us. Okay, I trust you enough that I'm going to lead you through something harder than you've ever experienced before, and you're going to come out of it. And then we'll lead you into the next one. But all you got to worry about is this one that's in front of you right now. 
that's all you got to do for now. And then we'll worry about the rest. And well, how can you explain this to somebody that's at the complete bottom in the, in the job area? How can you pull them out? This is one of my sisters I minister to. She's completely like at the point where she's just like, God hates me. And I don't even want to care about him anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. Where do I have that written here? It's on one of my pages. Just a second. Um, but I have that exact same thing written on my side. It's like, how do you even attempt to, like when I was down in the depths, would I have listened to any of this? Like, how, how do you do, how do you minister to people? How, um, on page 142, sorry, finally found it. Um, it says that when we see some people happy and others in turmoil, we can't judge either one. Some may be enjoying the blessings of having ascended experience a period of peace and joy, but while others may be involuntarily descending through trials before rising higher. Treating unkindly someone who is down could cause him to abort his rebirth. And, I, and that just like hit me so hard. I was like, oh my gosh, how many people have I treated or judged unfairly that were going through something? And it's like, what happens to someone who does abort their rebirth? How quickly can they repent? What kind of ministering help do they need to get out of that what what does that look like how do we how do we do that um uh in a previous chapter it talked about how we usually only recognize the the ministering angels in the level right above us even though there may be multiple levels ministering to us but we usually only have eyes to see the ones that are right above us or on our same levels and i think that there's there's purpose in that so that we don't get too much information too, too quickly. But yet, as we really open our hearts and minister, helping people through their, their individual trials and challenges at the, the depths of their despair, I think it's that's like the role of the Holy Ghost, right? To help us know exactly what they need to, to pull out of it, because everyone's descent is completely unique to them. Uh, the Savior is the only one that, that truly knows the, the full extent of what they're going through. But a lot of our descents are to help us have compassion and empathy for those that are going through things that we've previously went through. Um, uh, like last week or two weeks ago, for example, uh, Janet and, and uh, my mom were talking about the fibromyalgia that they experience and, and, and some of that stuff. Like, I think that we have kind of people put into our lives that that help us um keep pressing forward yet i don't know to, to come back to your question uh full on one of my cousins is just falling away from from the church his his wife posted that they're just they can't get over some of the the church history things and i'm like okay where did i fail you like <laughs> how how did uh, the whole family is active and, and, you know, we're faithful in, in all things. And, and what, what happened here that, that made you fall so hard uh, that we question things? I mean, it's different than, than your friend that, that you minister to where, you know, that God hates her kind of a thing versus uh, other people that, well, no, God doesn't even exist. I mean, there's uh, a loving God wouldn't do this kind of a thing. How do we minister to that? that that's so hard and my own thing i, I think it, it just comes to uh, the spirit uh, fasting and praying and using the the power given to us through our covenants to to pull them up uh is going to take a lot of connecting with the lord to to do so yeah janet i think we have to tap into our spiritual gifts and one of them that most members of the church aren't even aware of were Alma and Amulek were able to discern people's thoughts. They were able to know what Zeezrom was thinking. And if we can get to that level and really understand what people are thinking, then we can be inspired by the Holy Ghost to intervene. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, the discerning of thoughts, because that's only happened to me a few times where I, especially on the mission, I mean, that was a, a frequent thing uh, 
the, the Lord gave that to me in a few different scenarios to be like, hey, you're thinking this and that's not right. You need to, to course correct and, and do something else. And um, I wish I had that all the time. But like you said, I think that's, that's huge. That, that's a, a spiritual gift and one that we often can receive as we're ascending the, the ladder in order to help other people through their, their things. Because if we know what they're thinking, then we can like, oh, go to the spirit, get some answers on how to help. We would have to prove, we would really have to prove that we would use that power mm -hmm. in God's interest because boy, that is very <laughs> yeah. powerful to be able to know what someone is thinking. We yeah. could, you know, that could go either way. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, I like that suggestion or that idea to pray for the spiritual gifts to minister to that. To my sister, yeah, that's a good one. Thank you for reminding me of that. Mm -hmm. well I find that knowing um, about the descent before ascent because I didn't know anything about that before we got into this book knowing that and knowing there's a purpose to what you're going through and that at the end of this you're going to ascend I mean, that really helps. I think if we help try to teach people this, how this works, I think it could do a lot to help. I know it helps me. So this is where I'm at with this. And, and I agree with you and I want to explain it. But if I start talking to people about this book, they're going to think I'm kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> And, and I'm already telling my experience with, with um, Isaiah anyway, you know, when I first started reading the Book of Mormon, I'm like, why is Joseph Smith cramming this in here? But now I, I totally understand it. And, and it's been, you know, climbing the ladder of Isaiah of understanding, and it's been amazing, amazing experience. Mm -hmm. But if, if I were to bring this out, they'd be like, hmm? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, ooh, decoded. Ooh, do -do. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I totally see it. Um, what else? Uh -huh, yeah, she said that difficulties are designed to humble us, to exercise us, to make us feel our need of wisdom from on high. That's an excellent one. Who is that? That quote, Arthur W. Pink. I, heard I think he's just an ev evangel envelop. Mm -hmm. It's a preacher. I had to look him up because I couldn't. It was just a meme that I'd found, and I uh -huh. think he's not LDS. I think he's just an old preacher that might have died in the fifties or the forties. I'm not sure. Some mm -hmm. of the old preachers that died in the 20s, 30s, and 40s really understood yeah. the gospel better than do. I find a lot of wisdom in, in the old, old preachers mm -hmm. of things that they've written. I like that. Thank yeah. you so much, Al. Yeah. Yeah. And you were talking about how we take on other people's, uh, what, what did it call now, other people's sins. And yeah. I had a thought on that, and I was looking for something, and I couldn't find it. But I always ask people what grace is, what's grace made up of? And I think that's how we take on other people's sins. Mm -hmm. And we learn to be unselfish. And what I learned that grace is made up is it's made up of forgiveness and charity. So when we forgive people and we're charitable to them, even though they do things that we don't like or mean things to us or, or are selfish, if we give them grace, I think that's how we take their sins upon us because we forgive them of their sins and they'll, like Christ forgives us of ours and we give them charity. We're kind to them even though they're us. Yeah, very interesting so. principle. The first thing that makes me think of is um, like locally, there was a kid my age that ran a stop sign and it killed the, the husband and, and left the... Uh, the wife and, and children without uh, their, their father. Uh -huh. And um, the, the people that it happened to had such compassion on him, you know, like, no, we're going to help you through this. Yes, you made a mistake, but you don't have to die because of it. I mean, your, your life isn't over. He eventually was able to, to go on a mission and, and all of that, but um, it, they could have went the other way and had lots of um, 
discord and, and tried to get revenge and, and just desserts and all of this kind of stuff. But yet through that compassion, it helped that, that boy become a man and ascend the ladder. And he in turn mm -hmm. on his mission helped others ascend versus if you, right. you didn't do that in the proper way or, you know, in this context, it really could have damaged and, and he could have just been a, a reprobate for the rest of his life. But right. I, yeah. I so when we offer grace to other, when grace givers, as other people term it, um, it helps other people to ascend the ladder because we forgive them and they don't feel, you know, like a victim anymore, or like they've done something, you know, they're forgiven and they do move. They are able to move ahead beyond that. Otherwise they live in that, that mindset of the bad thing he did. And like you said, they can become a reprobate. They can be, you know, his life would have been totally different if they had seek, had seeked revenge or justice or, you know, had sued him or had him put in jail or, you know, something, his yeah. life would have been totally different. And I think that's what the savior does to us. He forgives us and gives us a second chance to, you know, make our life right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I love that principle. Thank you. Um, well, in his example, that could have been a descent for him, but he was a savior instead for someone else. He chose to act as the father that lost his wife and his two of his children. Is it two of his children and, and his? I can't actually remember how many children there was. I, I know that there was more than one because before he could go on his mission, he had to save up enough to pay all of the child support through those two years. And, and once he did, then he was able to, to go on his mission. I didn't know that he, I didn't know the rest of that story. I think we, we moved or something and I had lost contact of the newspaper for that one or something. I don't know. <laughs> I know there's a video about the church put out about, about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love that principle of grace that it's forgiveness plus charity. I love good, like, easy little simplified mathematical equations. I'm like, okay, that's something I can work on this week. How can I extend more forgiveness and charity to those around me in order to help them ascend? Because um, last week was our state conference and I got lots of like promptings. You need to help this person, this person, and this person. I was like, okay, how am I going to help them? Because I'm, I'm so far removed from the situation and I don't know how to help or intervene or at all. But that right there kind of helped me kind of put some pieces together, get some ideas turning for this next week. Okay, extending forgiveness, extending charity in order to let grace swell within them kind of thing. I, I love that. Um, yes, I, I turned to page 151, but I can't remember why. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, oh, it was like you were saying with the Isaiah decoded book, you're holding that up and you're like, if I start teaching this or mentioning this, your people are going to think I'm crazy. But I think that that's kind of one of our, our three tests of loyalty here that it talks about. Um, when we get like that ostracism, even from our own families or, or from other church members and stuff, that's kind of one of our, our tests in, in a way. Um, I think everybody can experience it very differently, but I mean, you know, my mom and dad can, can attest to this. Like sometimes our family thinks that we're just loopy, but sometimes they'll, they'll ask questions later on. Like, so what about this? And I'm like, I thought you didn't agree with us, <laughs> but everything that we do, if we lead by righteousness and not by, um, oh, what is the, the word I'm looking for? Um, self-righteousness yeah self-righteousness kind of trying to to lord it over somebody else kind of thing but if we're if we're doing it in a genuine way and and teaching things properly by the spirit on the level that they need at any time you know that sinners take the truth hard right i mean that's i i've been there done that people have tried to correct me on on different things and i i buck against that system real hard but I'm looking back, I'm always grateful for those experiences. And, and sometimes I looked at people as kooks, but now I'm like, oh, there were wise sage people that, that were sent to me at a specific time for, for good reasons. Um, this is just a, a random side story. When uh, I was, oh, I don't even remember how old I was, 14, 15 or whatever, I, I was way off the, the rocker. But 
um, this old man came and just told me all of my sins and told me to correct myself. I didn't know the man or anything like that, but I, I it freaked me right out. <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> I, I ran to my mom. I was just shaking. I was like, how did he know all of those things <laughs> kind of thing? But now I'm like, oh, he was a messenger from God telling me to course correct. And, and I'm so grateful for that. It reminds me of the scripture. Sometimes we entertain angels and we're unaware of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. See, very well could have been an angel, Cameron. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, <laughs> the wicked took the truth hard, and it, and it shook me for a lot of years. And it, you know, it, it didn't pull me out of it. I kind of ran a, the opposite direction, but I needed that uh, at that time to to give me that experience. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting looking back. Uh, well. When I finally get to exalted station and look back at my life, I'm going to be like, oh, my word, <laughs> Cameron, you were so dumb on so many things for so long. And even now, probably in this station here, I'll be looking back and I'm like, oh, if I only knew then what I know now, uh, retrospect is, is an amazing blessing in and of itself <laughs> that we can um, See Cameron, in our lives. Cameron, I have a comment. I was concerned about on page 154 about the religious, the certain brethren religious leaders that misuse their authority. Yeah. Uh, what do you have to say about that? Oh, is, okay. is that yet in the future or? That's a great question. So Isaiah Institute, um, uh, Avraham's circle of, of friends, I guess you'd say, um, they have wildly different opinions on, on what this looks like in the end times. There are some people that, that think the leadership of the church will have to fall at some point. I don't personally believe that. But like, look at some of the, the headlines in, in recent years where some bishops have been running sex trafficking rings or um, caught in lies or been excommunicating people unfairly. Like we have seen some of that. I don't know if it's going to ramp up and, and be more plentiful, but uh, I don't know. It, that's a, a, a fine <laughs> tightrope to, to walk on. I, I, I hate speculating on it, but at the same time, I think that it's a, a necessary thing to talk about so that we can prepare ourselves. I have written out here in the site, how do we interpret this section without hating our leaders? How do we support our local leaders knowing that they're just mortals doing the best that they can? Um, and how do we recognize the, the wolves in sheep's clothing so that we can, uh, you know, forgive some of our leaders um, for, for their weaknesses, but also recognize the ones that are out to get us as well. Uh, that's that's an interesting road. Yeah, Jenna. Is, is that speaking specifically of LDS church leaders or is it other religious leaders who are abusing their power also? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I, I don't have an answer for that. I, I would assume that it's everywhere because we know that uh, people of any religion, as long as they're making covenants are ascending the ladder, right? And so that would seem to make sense for all of the leaders. And um, if the, the great whore Babylon, that church, um, not just Catholic church, obviously all, all church things that are um, oppressing the people, if that's going to fall, we know that all of them are going to have very oppressive leaders that are doing that. So I think that's a great point to, to mention. It, it, there's going to be some within the church, but there's also going to be some, uh, a lot without the church that are oppressing their, their people, and the people don't even realize it at, at first, and, and they're scattering the flock. Um, but I think that that's a huge point there that it talks about is that the end time servant is the one who goes and gathers all of those sheep that were scattered in that process. That's, that's huge. That's amazing. And that's part of his worldwide ministry of, of bringing back scattered Israel because they've been gathered once. They may have been gathered twice and they've been scattered again. And, and the servant in 
um, his mission uh, retrieves those. And we, as we're ascending along the ladder, can have a, a part in that, that regathering of, of some of those scattered sheep. I think that that's um, fun and exciting too. But yeah, that, that's an interesting topic because I, I hesitate even really talking about that specific part with, with many people, especially outside of our group. Uh, uh, Laura knows in our other group, um, <laughs> they have wildly different opinions than mine. And uh, a lot of people think that, that President Nelson will fall at some point. And I, I just take that one and, and it just doesn't jive with me, but. I haven't heard them say that. I don't know where you got that from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. David emailed me uh, about that, and and so did Rodolfo. But um, you know, not to call them out on anything, but th th there's a few from from the Isaiah Institute that that really think that the church leadership has to fall before the end time servant comes on the scene. So I feel like um, President Nelson has really prepared us. Yeah, so do I. To hear him and let God prevail, and to understand the blessings and covenants of Abraham. And I feel like if we're doing those things, that whatever else happens isn't going to matter. Because mm -hmm. that's what we need to do is let God prevail. That relationship with the Savior is so important. That relationship with the Holy Father is so important. Keeping those covenants and um, is what's going to make all the difference. Yeah, for sure. And, and like I've said in, in previous weeks, I see President Nelson written all over these chapters. I mean, uh, all of the different changes and, and things that we're preparing, uh, hastening the work, hearing him, um, uh, footnotes galore. I mean, if he's not the end time servant, he's definitely a type for the end time servant. And and I just don't see that 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 is going to to fail but it may seem like it uh, you know everyone has descents before ascents and and the end time servant is, is going to go through the the pit of, of darkness before um he he ascends on that seraphim level and i think that's that's huge uh, he's going to be ostracized by many and uh, we see this great winnowing in the church right where uh, many people just are, are jumping ship for for uh, from everybody's perspective it's different things but for little trivial things compared to grand scheme of of blessings right um but if we just stay on the old ship zion if we keep our covenants keep progressing doing what the prophet says because we we know that the prophet will never lead the church astray and there's there's great counsel that, that he is giving us to prepare. And, and everything that President Nelson's doing is like, no, go to the Savior. Like, we're doing home church and everything. We're kind of getting away from our structure that we've always been kind of uh, moseying along with kind of a thing, and really focusing on personal connections with Christ. And I don't think that a antichrist or or somebody like that would be necessarily pushing that uh, kind of principle uh to us to no connect with the savior don't lean on just my words go connect with the savior personally well and someone pointed out that and i don't know i heard this but I, it helped me a lot that we're all at different places in our faith and some people need to put clay on their eyes to be healed and some people need to um touch the hem of this garment or you know whatever there's all different ways that people are healed and some just need to believe and the next day they're healed or you know whatever it is we're all in different places and our and our faith is each of us so unique and so different um, and what president nelson is telling us to let god prevail and you know all these things that we've talked about are so essential so essential yeah for sure. Yeah, it, it's been an amazing ride just these, these past few years. Um, since President Nelson, I, I don't know, I started really kind of catching on to President Nelson's words and, and things a couple of years before he became prophet. And I was like, oh, man, there's, there's a lot of challenges that he was issuing the youth and, and young adults and uh, really trying to get us to, to wake up 
become the millennials that you're really meant to become. Like we're, we're millennials in order to usher in the millennium. We need to get there. It's like, oh, okay. I started waking up to it. And then all of these changes, processes, let's get rid of the fluff and, and focus on the, the correct things so that we can, can really start ascending. And I think that that's huge as we restore, we continue this restoration of all things and, and receive the fullness and start really building Zion in our hearts. That's why um, when I found the, the Abraham book by E. Douglas Clark and I was just like, oh, this is explaining it so well. I had I'd never heard of Isaiah decoded or, you know, began to read it and stuff. And it's just the Lord, when you start listening and paying attention, following counsel, he just leads you along in your studies and, um, and things. It's, it's fun. <laughs> it's kind of daunting. You have to, you have to, to find that you have to seek. Mm-hmm. Just go and take the sacrament, come home and throw in your tube and be happy. I mean, it's just not going to work. Yeah, exactly. You know, I have some, some different family members that are there and it's like, how, how do you wake people up without, you know, saying here, listen to Isaiah decoded, you know, think I'm a fruitcake. But at, at the same time, sometimes uh, throughout this chapter, it talks about many different wake up phases, right? That uh, sometimes it's going to take the actual war that that'll happen prior to the millennium to wake people up when they start defending their, their women and children in, in righteousness that causes an ascension because of that descent that they have to go through war in order to do it. Some are, you know, it talks about it with the three different uh, tests of loyalty. Those are going to bring different waves of our, our family members, our, our loved ones to start ascending. And, and we're going to be right there <laughs> welcoming them along saying, hey, I wasn't a kook. <laughs> you should have listened to me the first time, but we'll, we'll get you out of this round. <laughs> well, we have to do it humbly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think we should talk about um, the last part of this chapter where it is describing the millennial phase of the earth that was so beautiful right yeah it's so like it's leading you through all of this darkness and then boom all of a sudden it's light and you're like oh glad we made it <laughs> kind of thing yeah it, there's so many uh concepts and, and things here that are that are awesome what were some of your favorites as you were reading that like what was like oh i'm so looking forward to that no death <laughs> No sickness, no fibromyalgia. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, darling. <laughs> Won't that be an awesome day? Yeah, exactly. That we won't have to, to deal with scattering anymore. We'll we'll be gathering and and just going out on on uh, just an uplifting time where everyone's uh, making and, and keeping covenants with God that, you know, just the, uh, I always think of uh, Miss America pageants or whatever, the kind of thing of like, oh, what do you, what do you wish for? Oh, world peace. But that will actually be the moment of world peace when, when things start becoming peaceful. We don't have wars and rumors of wars and, and people trying to, to buck and, and kill and oppress and everything like I can't even imagine living in, in a time like that. It's going to be plentiful blessings, uh, a time filled with love, joy. I, I'm so looking forward to that. It's going I think to be love. When people are loved for who they are, everyone will be loved. Yeah. That is such a cool concept. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, giving love freely, accepting love freely, not, yeah, just some of the ills that we deal with in, in our No day. poor among us, no poor. Yeah. Everyone will be able to develop their talent, contribute. Yeah. I'm trying to find some of the, 
great things that I had circled here. It was interesting in the postscript there that um, talked about how the astronauts, when they go up, they experience that peaceful feeling I, that the prophets do, which is interesting. What, what, what brings that on? I don't know. Other than that, I don't know. I don't get that quite. But anyway, it's a peace beyond all understanding. Is anyway that I found that really interesting because the astronauts that come back, they all talk about that. How when they're up there and looking back, that they experience that very peaceful feeling beyond just. You know, this is fun up here, you know, but they mm -hmm. talk about that peaceful feeling. Yeah, it's very surreal. And look at the the amount of effort and, and energy required to thrust them up that far, that fast. You know, I mean, it, it's kind of the descent before ascent kind of thing. I mean, they have to go through lots of stuff to get there and then to have that piece come back down and, and try to express that try to share it in words mm -hmm. with the rest of us and i loved it when he said um that god created this world for his covenant people yes it's, it's going to be our eternal home yeah that's amazing isn't it like I don't know. I, I feel a great sense of home here in, in Malta, Idaho. I, I always get, keep getting pulled back and stuff. And, you know, I've, I've rarely ventured out to, to think like that same sense of home with earth, you know, like, like if I was to inherit some other sphere or whatever, I, I'd be like, Oh, well, I want I want my home. <laughs> I just want it better than uh, what it currently is. But, you know, like, that that sense of home is going to be there even with with this earth and there's there's something about that that uh, the place where where we're born where we're where we have an opportunity to create um uh, i love the idea of creation throughout all of this the uh, creation recreation rebirth etc the whole nicodemus principle and how that really just brings a sense of home belonging um that this is the footstool of Christ, yet um, it will elevate to such a stature that it will be our eternal place. That, that's going to be amazing. I, I liked where it talked about all of the, the slowing of time there on 166, 167. I don't necessarily agree with Avraham's interpretation there, but I find that very interesting as we're looking at the thousand years to, to one day of God's time, et cetera, but that each level of the ladder experiences time differently. You know, I always just kind of delineated it out into two parts, you know, while we're on earth, it's this much time. And while in God's presence, it's this much time, but then uh, the ascent up the ladder, it time, uh, whatever you want to say, moves quicker, moves slower, whatever, but that the time is experienced differently. I, I find that very interesting as um, we're playing that out. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, but yet it's kind of mind boggling at the same time. I, I, <laughs> I want time to kind of slow down so I can get more done and, and do more good, but I can never get to everything. <laughs> Think of how slow time went when you were a child. Yeah, exactly. And now... You just turn around and another week has gone by. <laughs> it's just a blink of an eye. Yeah, sometimes I think, oh my gosh, I'm 33. Where did the time go? And then my mom's like, really? <laughs> yeah, just wait. <laughs> just, just wait a couple wait. minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all interesting how, how that happens and what the purpose of, of that time and, and change of time is. All right. Well, as we're closing out, like any, what, what parts do we miss that we still want to touch on before we 
head out for the night. <laughs> we've, we've ran the gamut here on this chapter. It's been fun. Yeah, we've touched on, on most of these, these things that I wanted to, so. All right, well, if there's nothing else, we'll, we'll head out for the week and we'll catch up with chapter six next time. That one's a, a fun one too. Six and seven are awesome, which is kind of a pattern. Abraham book, chapter six and seven were also some of my favorites and, and here in this book as, as well. Uh, it's fun just kind of knowing where you're at on the ladder, where uh, you want to be and how to get there and what your responsibilities are going to be. Like, I find it very fun uh, going through all of this and getting all that insight. Isaiah Dakota, whoever, I can't even remember. There was a few people that, that recommended it to me. I'm so glad they did because it's changed my whole life and perspective. It, it's on a, a different trajectory than it was before even. <laughs> did you think they were crazy at first? Well, a little bit. I mean, not, it's always like, okay, yeah, I'll get to Isaiah at some point, you know, like, <laughs> but I, I didn't know that that's what I needed right now. But yeah, like, <laughs> I think they're crazy a little bit. <laughs> yep, now, now I'm one of the crazy ones too. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun ride. All right. Well, we'll see everyone next week for chapter six. <laughs> Have a great week. Thank you so much. That was way good tonight. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.